Want to experience Christ United like never before? Download our app today. You can watch live and previous messages, take sermon notes, get calendar updates, find giving options, and more. Just go to your app store and search Christ United. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on our church, check out ChristIsLove.org. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at ChristUnitedMB. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message. And as that subtitle said, we've been learning about who we are and what it is we were born to do, and it has been powerful. One of the most powerful series we've ever done. Um, We've learned that we were born for Him, that we were born for a mission. We were born for more. We were born for ministry. We were born to represent Jesus. We were born for relationships. And then this week, we're in this born for battle. We We were born for a battle. And I just want you to remember back to when we began this series, we were talking about the movie or the book, Born Identity. And if you remember that Jason Bourne, as he's discovering who he is, he's, he's finding himself under attack constantly. He's got people coming against him. He doesn't even know why. It's totally confusing to him that he's being attacked. And through the movie, he discovers why it is that he's being attacked. He, he discovers that he's actually a part of a mission that has some people that want to destroy him and want to stop him from doing things that he might do um, that would expose the evil that's being done around him. So, so he discovers that he is actually at war. Now, for you, you may have had that same experience as you began to follow Christ. It's like all of a sudden when I think that now I'm a Christ follower, everything should be getting better and everything should be nicer and people should be better to me and I should be better to them. But you find yourself constantly under attack and constantly struggling and you're wondering why and you can't get your head around it. And then you begin to discover, wait a minute, I'm at war. Um, We're going to learn about it in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12 is where we'll begin, where he says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We are at a war spiritually. And so the first thing I want you to fill in the blank is this. I am at war. You are at war when he says, put on the full armor of God in verse 11. You don't put on armor unless you're at war. But if you don't realize you're at war, here's the problem. If you don't realize that you're actually in a battle when everything starts going south and people seem like they're against you and trouble's happening, whether it's financial trouble, relationship trouble, whatever's going on, you begin to think, well, maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe there's something wrong with God. God isn't following through with what God's supposed to do. There's something not right here. If you think that there's not a battle going on, but once you realize there's a battle, all of a sudden you realize that everything that's happening in this physical realm, that it's all associated with this spiritual battle that's going on, that I have an enemy who desires to take me out, an enemy who desires to stop me from fulfilling the purpose that God has for me. Um, Priscilla Shirer said it this way so beautifully. She said, everything that occurs in the visible physical world is directly connected to the wrestling match being waged in the invisible spiritual world. Once you begin to realize that, you start seeing things that you need to be cautious of you wouldn't have seen otherwise. All of a sudden, that pretty young thing that walks in your office is not necessarily a gift from God. You begin to realize that, wait a minute, it might not be good here because I'm recognizing there's a spiritual battle to take me out. The second thing we recognize is this, is that the enemy is real. 
The enemy is real. The enemy, the devil, he speaks of him. So you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Referred to in the Bible as the devil, as Satan, as the deceiver, uh, as the enemy, as the adversary. Um, the reality is, is you have a spiritual enemy who desires more than anything else to destroy your relationship with God. He wants no glory to God. He wants you dead and in hell with him. And so with that in mind, he is constantly seeking to undo you. And he does not work alone. Just as there are angels in the heavenly realms that do God's bidding, there are also fallen angels, demonic spirits in the heavenly realms who actually work against the purposes of God and are constantly at work. They are very powerful. They are very strategic. They are very organized. And the reality is that what's happening around you is actually reflecting a lot of what's actually happening in a spiritual battle in the heavenly realms. And so we're told that our battle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, we don't tell you this to make you scared and, and fearful of the fact that there are actually evil spirits at work around you. We actually do it because you'll become encouraged once you realize that there's a spiritual battle going on and I have the spiritual force of God on my side. And the power of God in the spiritual realm is way more powerful than all those spirits that are at work doing evil. But if I'm not even conscious of the battle, I'm in trouble. If you read in the second Kings chapter six, verse 16, um, in that whole chapter, you find Elisha, this great prophet was being attacked by the armies of Aram. The army of Aram had surrounded the city of Dothan where he and his um, assistant were. And his assistant woke up in the morning and went out, his servant, and saw that the armies were just all around the city of Dothan. These enemy armies, physical enemies were coming against them. And so he cried out, he said, oh, oh no, what are we going to do? He was fearful because he saw in the physical realm the same kind of things that you and I see. It seems overwhelming. The debt's too big. The conflict is too bad. The things that are going on just seem to overwhelm us because we're looking in the physical realm. But what Elisha knew was that, wait a minute, this isn't just a physical battle. This is a spiritual battle. And the ones who are at work for us in the spiritual battle are way greater than the ones who are at work in the physical realm or in the evil realm. And so he says this to God. He says, God, please open the eyes of my servants that he may see what's actually going on here. And when he did, in chapter 6, verse 16, Elisha said to his servant, he said, don't be afraid because the ones who are with us are more than the ones who are with them. And then his eyes were opened and he saw the, the hills around Dothan filled with chariots of fire. There were armies of God at work doing the bidding of God. And all of a sudden courage went into this, this man as he started realizing, wait a minute, in the spiritual realm there's a battle going on. And God is guaranteed to win that battle. I just need to be on his side. I need to recognize the battle. I need to be calling on his forces when I'm in those places. But guys, when we're not, when you and I think that it's not a real enemy, then we are like, we, we, we're, we're playing silly games when we should be fighting for our lives. You ever seen the little plastic sword and the plastic spear and the plastic shield? You know, and yeah, yeah, we, that's what we as Christians look like when we think that there's really not a spiritual enemy out there. This isn't a game. You're fighting for your life. And so the enemy is real. And if you don't realize the enemy is real, what you'll begin to think is, is that it's the people around you that you're fighting against. 
But we're told here in this passage that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. They are not the enemy, whoever it is. Whether it's a person you're working with or a person in your family or a person who's a neighbor of yours or your boss or whatever, they are not the enemy. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Do you realize that the strategy of an evil enemy is to actually get you fighting against the very ones you came to fight for? And so if you look at the way that that terrorists work, like, for instance, in Iraq, when the insurgents came into Iraq and and the, the, the American forces were there to try to help and rescue and take care of and do good for for people who were truly um, in need of some protection from these insurgents, they, the insurgents actually started using the people themselves and they started hiding behind women and children and sending women and children with bombs. And, and they started trying to make it so that, that we would be confused about who the real enemy is. Does it make sense? That's the way our enemy works. He works by making you start seeing the people around you as the enemy. And you begin to fight against the very ones that you were sent to fight for. So what happens is right now you're even praying to God. God, please take care, you know, do something about them because they are the enemy. They are the ones who I'm fighting against. God said, no, I sent you for them. In fact, Paul, when he's talking to Timothy about some folks who have been taken captive to do the will of the devil in the church, he said, you gently instruct them with the hope that God will bring them to repentance. Why? Because you're for them. The enemy is a spiritual enemy, and you need to remember that. So what do we do? If we're going to fight that, what did the folks in Iraq do when they're going out every single day and the enemy's constantly hidden? You can't see the enemy. Where is the enemy? I don't know where the enemy is, but the enemy could attack from any time at any moment through any person around them. What would happen to a soldier in Iraq? They would never go out without their armor, ever. You'd never, ever step out one day for one minute without your bulletproof vest and your helmet and you had to be armored because you're always under attack and that's the way it is for us is we need all the armor every day you need to be putting on all the armor every day in verse 13 he says this therefore put on the full armor of god so when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand here's the truth if you ever go without your armor you're gonna fall it's just a matter of time And when you think about the day of evil, the day of evil is not just this day at the end of time. It's not just your last day on earth. The day of evil, we actually learn what it is back in chapter 5, verses 15 through 17 of the book of Ephesians when he says this. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making most of the every opportunity because the days are evil. Any day is a day for the devil to take you out. Every single day he desires to take you down. And you need to be ready any and every day because he's going to try to take you out. And so you need all the armor every single day. So he says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Why do you need the belt of truth? It's very simple. You need the belt of truth because you will be tempted to believe lies. You need it every day because every day you're going to be tempted to believe lies about God, about others, about yourself. You'll believe lies about God like he's just this kindly old gentleman who only wants you to be happy and it doesn't matter about your righteousness. You'll believe that he's like a neurotic parent that you can't please and will never let you forget the wrongs that you've done. 
You'll believe lies about yourself, not that you are, are, are a new creation created to be like God, that you're a child of the king. You'll begin to believe that you were a loser and you're a poser. And if anybody were to know you, including God, they couldn't love you. You'll believe lies about other people. You'll believe your parents really don't have your best interest at heart. You'll believe that your husband or wife doesn't really love you, that your friends don't really like you, that your boss really doesn't respect you. You'll believe that your dope-smoking friends really have your best interest at heart. You'll believe that that adulterous, sorry rascal that you're being drawn into a relationship with is really God's best for you. You will believe lies about other people. And you'll believe just general lies, lies like, go ahead and buy it because that dress will really make you feel pretty. Go ahead and buy that four-wheeler. You really need it to get to your deer stand. You can just charge it, right? Because you're going to win the Reader's Digest sweepstakes and you can pay it all off. And then you'll be able to have some left over to give to the church. And you believe the lies, right? And so the lies are constantly there to take you out. And so you need the belt of truth because you're constantly going to be tempted to believe lies about God, about others, about yourself. You also need the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness in place. Why? You need the breastplate of righteousness because you will be tempted or pierced with powerful temptations and desires and excuses to do wrong. You need the righteousness because you're going to be tempted to do wrong, to sin. I just want you to think about this. Most people think that once you become a Christ follower, the temptations are going to become less because now I'm spiritual. It's just the opposite. Do you realize for your enemy in hell, there is no win for a sinner, a person far from God to sin is no win for the enemy. If somebody who is far from God sins, it doesn't do any harm. There's no, there's no loss to the enemy at all. In fact, you know what is a loss to the enemy? If somebody far from God does something thoughtful or caring or generous or kind, because then the enemy can say, see, you can be good without God. And see, you're going to go to heaven because you're a good person. You don't need to be saved. You don't need God's grace. So when those who are far from God do good, it's to the benefit of the devil. So guess what? As far as you were distant from God... You sinning was not really on the heart of the devil at all. He didn't care if you sinned. But if he can cause you to sin after you choose to follow Christ, then he wins. If it's as much as an unkind word, if you speak it, the devil can use that against you, against Jesus, against everybody who does good and right. So I want you to think about this reality for everybody here. The more, the closer you are to God, the more intentional the enemy is about getting you to fall. If he can get you to fall into something like adultery or financial dishonesty, then he really wins big time. Count on it. You are going to be tempted more after coming into your purpose and coming into a relationship with Christ than you were before. Because now it matters that you live righteously. Everybody get the picture? So I need the breastplate of righteousness because I'm going to be pierced with these powerful temptations and desires and excuses to do wrong. And then with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Why do you need your feet fitted with that readiness? Now, here's the thing that most people understand about those shoes. Feet fitted with the readiness is for that. For them, it was like cleats. Um, the soldiers would put on these things strapped up below their feet that had nails in them and it gave them stability. They're, they were ready and they were strong and they were stable because here's the truth is you are constantly going to be pressed and pushed and shoved into anxiety and conflict. 
You, if, you, if you are in this life and you're trying to live for God, there's constantly going to be pressure on you. There's constantly going to be pushing and shoving going on um, around you. And as that stuff happens in your life, you're going to be pressed into anxiety and conflict. And unless you're deaf, y'all look at me, all right? She's translating for people who can't hear. Thank you. All right. All right. Y'all ready? It was kind of funny because y'all were all looking over there. I'm thinking... You were a hero over here for just a moment, just so you know. All right, yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so guys, so, so here, here's the reality is God wants you to know, God wants you to know that he brought you this gospel of peace to bring peace between you and God, peace between you and others, and peace within yourself. The enemy wants to take away that peace. He wants to create enmity between you and God. He wants to create this, this feeling of guilt and shame and distance between you and God. He wants to create conflict between you and others. He even wants to create conflict within yourself. He wants you to be feeling like you're being pushed over the edge of a cliff filled with anxiety. But he's saying you get on the cleats of peace so that you can stand firm and say, no, I will not be moved. I won't be moved into anxiety. I won't be moved into that place where, I'm, where I am falling away from God's purposes in my life and where I'm anxious about my life. How many people know that, that the anxiety over your money, the anxiety over your grades, the anxiety over whatever's going on in your life can, can actually make you slip far from where God wanted you to be in places where you don't have peace at all? So God says you need these cleats of peace in your life. And then he says that we need to take up, in addition to all this, the shield of faith. And why do we need the shield? I need the shield of faith because I will be overwhelmed with doubt and discouragement. This is the number one enemy's tool, in my opinion, is doubt and discouragement. You can count on it that it's going to be overwhelming. It's the most relentless assault is consistently brought on you. And it can be doubts and discouragement regarding your finances, your relationships, your education, your athletic pursuits, your dreams, your hopes, your desires, your ministry, whatever it is, he will bring you doubt and discouragement regarding those things. He will say to you, you can't do it. God won't do it. It's not going to turn out well. And as those things, if you let them for just a moment get through, they can start a conflagration of doubt and discouragement that will just consume you. And so the shield of faith to block that, to extinguish that, to say, no, I believe. I believe that God's promise is true, that he will give me the strength to do all things. I believe God's promise is true, that his plans for me are good. I believe that God will. And I know with all my heart that it is going to be as he said it would be. You get the picture. And so you need the shield of faith because that discouragement is going to come and it's going to be relentless. And so then there is this. He says the helmet of salvation. And, and why do you need the helmet of salvation? You need it for this reason. Because you will be immobilized and eradicated by fear. How many people have ever noticed that when you get truly terrified, you get immobilized? You ever have the dream where you just can't move because I'm absolutely terrified. I can't move. We get immobilized by fear. We get eradicated, taken out of the fight by fear. Fear is what causes people to never get into the fight to begin with, to drop out of it while they're in it. Fear is what immobilizes you and causes you to not be able to do anything in the midst of the battle. And so you've probably heard this expression that fear not is in the Bible 365 times. That's actually not true. But here's the truth, that out of all the commandments in the Bible, out of all the things that were commanded to do or not do, the most consistent command in all of Scripture is do not be afraid. 
just like the one we heard that Elisha spoke to his servant in 2 Kings 6.16. We hear that over a hundred times, don't be afraid. And it's usually followed by something like, just stand firm and you'll see the deliverance of God. God's going to do it for you. Don't you be afraid. No matter what, you don't fear. Now, some people will look at the helmet and say, well, th- well I'm, that's about your head. So that's where we do the 2 Corinthians 10, 5, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. It's protecting my thoughts. Here's the truth. Everything we've talked about is protecting your thoughts. And so, yes, you can think about that helmet and remind yourself that you need to take your thoughts captive. But I truly believe that at the heart of this, the, the helmet of salvation says this. I am eternally saved. I am his. I am already victorious. Not even death has power over me. So he said he would build his church in the gates of hell. Not even death would stand against what his church is going to do. I don't have to fear anything. So when you put on that helmet of salvation, you remember, as a friend of mine said, who actually later died of cancer, he said, until I'm finished with God's purpose on this earth, I am invincible. I don't fear anything. You get the picture? And so God's saying, you don't have to fear a thing. I want you to be strong and courageous, which is another beautiful admonition of Scripture over and over again. You be strong. You be courageous. Don't you be taken out by fear in the midst of this. And then he says, and the, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so why do you need the sword of the Word? You need the sword of the Word for this reason, because the enemy works strategically to disarm you. How many people recognize this reality that you are absolutely no threat to the enemy when you don't know God's word? Because when you don't know God's word, you don't know the true power of who God is. You believe all those stupid lies about God that make him less than who he truly is. You don't believe what's true about yourself. You don't believe what's true about your calling. You don't know what it is that he's put you out there to do. And so you are absolutely innocuous. You don't make any difference because his strategy is to disarm you. And if you're a person who says, yeah, but I know, you know, the verses I memorized when I was in Sunday school, it's like you're carrying that little plastic sword around with you still as an adult. And you are no threat to the enemy. And God is saying, you need the word of God because you need to be dangerous to the enemy. How many people think it would be awesome if in hell there was fear when you woke up in the morning? Because you were armed with something that would make a difference against all the things that the devil would like to do around you. And God's saying that's exactly where you need to be. And so he finally finishes by saying, and pray in the Spirit on all, kinds, on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Why do we need to be praying constantly? Why do we need to be doing that? And why is it such a strong admonition that this prayer go forth? It's for this reason. I pray in the Spirit because we are always in need of His Spirit's power and His Spirit's guidance for the spiritual battle that we are always in. You see, it's a spiritual battle and you need his Holy Spirit even guiding you in your prayer time, even empowering you in your prayer time because if you aren't fighting the spiritual battle on your knees, you aren't fighting it at all. If you're not in a place where you're seeking his power and his guidance, you are absolutely helpless in this battle. It is imperative that you be praying and not just for yourself but for your brothers and your sisters. In our secrets, one of our values is we are connected. It says we are connected. We meet every... Come on. We meet every? Thank you. We meet every week. We pray for each other every? Awesome. And we look for ways to obey and follow Jesus together. Now, here's the truth. 
is God saying, I want you to be praying for your brothers and sisters and consistently because they're under attack just as you are. So here's the reality. The truth is, is that you need to be reminded of this every single day on your way out, or maybe you already got it on your way in. There are some little window stickers there. They're actually these pieces of plastic that have the whole armor of God, and they're made to stick on a bathroom mirror. You know why we chose that, right? Because while you're still naked as a jaybird, we want you to look at that thing and say, I need to put on my armor, right? We want you to look at that thing. We want you to be saying, I need to be in my armor because here's the truth we've learned during this series, and that is this. Get hold of this reality. You were created. You were born to be his. You were born for a mission. You were born for more. You were born to be in ministry. You were a new creation. You were to glorify God in your life. You were born for relationships. You were born to win this thing. You get this picture that God's got so much for you, and so you are at war, okay? You are, and you've got an enemy who's against you. So I want you to grab hands. I don't care, man, boy, woman, child beside you. You grab hands with somebody who's beside you. And I want you to join with me right now as we put into practice what this passage says. This is going to be a long prayer, so get ready for sweaty palms. You ready? Go ahead. In fact, move over. If you're having to stretch real bad, just move over a seat or two just to get to somebody. If you're having to stretch, just move over to where you're next to somebody, okay? There you go. Good deal. Good deal. Way to go. Because we're going to pray, and we're going to pray serious prayers right now. I'm going to get hold of James. He's one of my C-boot buds, right? Here we go. Here we go. All right, you ready? We're going to pray it up. Oh, God, we pray for our brothers and sisters around us and for ourselves, Lord God. Help us remember that we are at war. Help us never to start thinking there's something wrong with us or something wrong with you. Help us to recognize that everything that's happening in this physical world is directly connected to the wrestling match that's being waged in the heavenly places in a spiritual battle that's raging against us. God, we pray that we realize the enemy is real. Help us, please, never to forget that the enemy is real. Help us never to think for a second that they, the people around us, are the enemy. Help us to realize that we will be tempted to fight against the very people we were sent to fight for. Help us to remember, Lord God, that they are not the enemy. And we pray in Jesus' name that we would put on all the armor every single day. God, let us have on the belt of truth because we will be tempted to believe lies. We'll believe lies about you, lies about ourselves, lies about others. Help us never do that, but always to have the belt of truth. Lord God, we need and ask for the breastplate of righteousness because we will be pierced by powerful temptations and desires and excuses to do wrong. Oh God, help us to walk in righteousness. Help us never to step out unprepared for the fact that we will be tempted. And Lord God, we pray in the name of Jesus for the cleats of peace because we will be pressed and pushed and shoved into conflict and anxiety. But Lord God, we want to stand firm, Lord God, in peace with you, in peace with others, in peace within ourselves. And Lord God, we pray in Jesus' name that you give us a shield of faith because we know that we will be overwhelmed with doubt and with discouragement. But Lord God, with that shield of faith, we will remember that you win, that you are with us that you will do it and we will be all you called us to be and do all you called us to do we pray in jesus name for that shield of faith
And we pray for a helmet of salvation, Lord God, that will make us courageous, that will never let us be eliminated or or immobilized by fear, but rather, Lord God, that we would be strong and courageous, empowered with the reality that not even death has power over us, Lord God. Help us to be absolutely fearless, God, in what we do and give us the sword of your spirit, of your word, Lord God, so that we will be a threat to the enemy. We pray that there will be quaking in hell every time we wake up because you are doing such through us, Lord God, that will be a threat to the enemy. And now, Lord God, we pray the prayer that you gave us just a few weeks ago straight from the same book. Oh, I pray that out of his glorious riches, and you pray this for the person beside you, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Thanks for listening to this podcast by Christ United. If you'd like to respond to today's message, or if you want to share how God is using this ministry in your life, please send us an email to media at christislove.org. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at ChristUnitedMB. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you.